We are learning Daf Mem Vav. We're starting right from the bottom of Mem Hey Amid Beis, and we're about to embark on a new sugya, sugya of Geras, of all the way that uh, conversions take place. And a little bit of introduction is good just to understand the way that it's going to pertain to the idea of slavery as well. So slavery in the eyes of the Torah, obviously we know that you can have a Jewish slave, but that's a very limited sense of slavery. You don't um, have him forever. It's only for six years and only under certain circumstances. That's for a different sugya, a different time. But we're going to be talking about an Evid Kenani, which means when a person has a slave that he's going to really own, and the slave is not a Jewish person. And the concept, and this is an important theme that we're going to see in the sugyas, is that the Torah doesn't just stop say you could have a slave who is not Jewish. The Torah says you convert him. And there's a mila and there's a tvila. He's a brismila and he's immersed as well. And then he becomes mechuyiv in certain mitzvahs. He's mechuyiv in the same mitzvahs that a woman is mechuyiv in. And that's the status of a slave. And a slave is very much a, a, a elevated in his, in his state of holiness by being a slave of a Jewish person. It's not a regular Pashat situation of just slavery. It's because he's a slavery, there's a kinyan of Isra, which is chal on him. It's not just monetary now. The kinyan Isra, which is spoken of, is something where he is transformed to become the slave of Yid. And then in, in that status, he's not allowed to marry regular Jewish people, but he has certain chiyav mitzvahs. That's point number one. And then point number two is that at the end of that, the master can choose to free him. He can give him a get, shechor, and then he can convert into a full-fledged Jew. And that's interesting. There's a second stage of geiris. He will then convert at the end of his slavery to be, and again, and go into the mikvah, and that will, uh, that will make him into a full-fledged Jew, and now he'll be able to marry you know, regular people as well. So there's two stages. There's the stage initially when someone becomes a slave of a yid, where he undergoes a geiris to become a slave. And then there's a second geiris, there's a second conversion, which happens at the time of freedom, if, he, if this master chooses to free him, in which he would emancipate him and make him completely, completely free, and there would be a second conversion before he would be a yid. So now here, we, let's start the Gemara in the bottom of Memheim, the base. So here somebody's buying a slave from a guy. So there's a slave market, and he goes to buy, pick up a slave, and the previous owner of the slave is a guy. The guy is selling it to him. Now, what does he want? The Jewish owner is going to is planning on taking him home, and he's going to immerse him. He's going to be, uh, make him undergo the gears to become a slave. He'll, he'll elevate his Kenyan Isser status. But what happened? This slave ran home, and he goes to the mikvah. And when he went to the mikvah, he had in mind to skip the whole process of being a slave. He had in mind that he should become totally free, that he should become a full-fledged Yid, he should become a full-fledged convert with this immersion. So it's a fascinating thing because the Yisrael bought the rights to make him into a slave. That's what he monetarily bought. But he hadn't yet immersed him to be, undergo the conversion to become a slave. So there's no Kenyan Isser yet that he has. And he doesn't have that Din Kenyan Isser. Now when the, when the slave is running to make himself into a full-fledged convert, what's the Din? The slave is able to acquire for himself to become a totally full-fledged free person, a regular convert. And he, he does not, he's not Mechuyiv to become a slave to the person who bought him. Now, the Rishonim do say he would have to pay him the value for his slavery. You know, he did just take away that potential. But he, he, leaving that aside, the question is, is it effective? The point of the Gemara, tremendous chedesh here, is that since, since the slave quickly went and immersed himself to become a full-fledged free person, 
to become a regular Jew, and he did that before his master was able to perform a tevila on him that he should undergo this step, this stage of of, of Geras to become an Eved, it is a fact of my time, but what is the reason? And when the Gemara is saying my time, what is the reason? What's bothering the Gemara? What's bothering the Gemara is the Jew did purchase from the guy the rights of slavery. So doesn't he own in a monetary sense right now already that this slave belongs to him as his, as as to work for him? So how could it be that if the slave runs and is, and is converting himself, that that just takes away the ownership of slavery that the... Uh, that the Jew, the Jew purchased. So the Gemara explains because when a guy owns a slave, none of all this Kenyan Israel stuff is true. When a guy owns a slave, all he owns is monetary rights. He doesn't own anything more than monetary rights. He doesn't own the person himself, and this is an important concept. Slavery, in the Torah's eyes, that you own the person, mamish is guf, and the kinyan of the iser, so on and so, so on and so forth. That's only be, that a Jew can own of a guy, but that's not true that a guy can have that over another guy. Another guy over one guy having a slave just means that he has his rights to make him work. It's nothing more than just choshen mishpat. He doesn't own his body. So only what he owned is he now selling to the Jew. So what is the Jew buying? The Jew isn't buying the shame that he's going to own the body, that he owns the goof that this person bets him as a slave. He owns the monetary rights. He has a shibud. It's like he has a lien on his body that you should go work for me. That's all he has. He has rights to make him go work. And the rights to make him go work, the Torah says that you should go convert him into someone who you now will own his body. But he didn't get a, get a chance to do that yet. Became in the Kavah and since the slave proceeded and ran to, to immerse himself and convert into a full-fledged Jew, he has removed the lien. So the truth is that all the slave was when he was owned by the guy was a lien. That's all he was, is that there was something on his body that he should go work, but there was nothing intrinsically that on his body that he's him a slave. So when the Jew purchased him, he's only purchasing that lien. He's purchasing the rights to make this person work. And if this person now goes and immerses himself to make himself into a free man, that removes the lien. And that's a very powerful thing in what emancipation can do. Conversion can be mafkiyashi, but again, monetarily now he'll have to pay back the buyer for everything that he was just mossing him. He lost him a good worker. But that's a different issue. The issue that the Gemara is focused on is what happens and what happens with the tefillah, what happens when he goes to the mikvah and immerses himself to become the status of a free man is that it is, it, it, it does in fact work. And the Gemara explains this idea because the Rava is like something that Rava said. If, if you have a person who has a Shibud, let's say there's a creditor who has a lien on a certain property. So a lien, what does that mean? You don't own it, but you have the rights that in the future you could collect from it, right? That's what a lien is. So, so there are certain halachic things that can be done to the lien which would remove the lien because they take on a new status and that elevated status just is mafkia any Shibud which came from before. One would be hektish. One would be chametz. If the status of it becomes chametz on Pesach, or if its status becomes Hectish or shikhar and emancipation, all these things take away a sheba, they take away the lien. The idea is that there's an identity change to these things. These things are before there was just something on them that they should be back paid back to the creditor. But now when there's a greater status that comes upon it, which is in in effect in a conflict with the lien, then this second underlying status will take a greater effect and the, the, the lien doesn't have the ability to stop it. So for example, hectish, right? Somebody has a property which has a lien on it, so the creditor does not want it to go to hectish because then he can't collect from it. But the, that's goofa what the chiddish is, that hectish can take away from the sheba. If now the person who currently owns the property, even though there's a lien on it, he would make a hectish on the property, he's matish, he consecrates it. Now the status of it being hectish says there cannot be a lien, the creditor cannot be taken away from hectish. So the hectish could be mafkia from the sheba, the same 
same thing is true in the status of Chametz Pesach and emancipation. And that's exactly what we're saying. All the Jew had was a shebat on the slave to go make him work. He didn't own the body. He didn't have a Kenyan Isra in him yet. He hadn't undergone the Geras to make him become a slave. So now when he ran and he made himself into a, a free man, and had the ability to remove from the shebat, and all you know, the, all he can do is pay. All he would what happen is that he owes money to the buyer for wasting for wasting his time and money in uh, purchasing him as a slave. Says the Gemara Masav Rav we have a kasha from that. Maisa with Bloria like yours. There was a story with Bloria who was converting to Judaism. So a woman's converting to Judaism. Her slaves ran and they immersed right in front of her. In other words, in front of her, they didn't just do it and run quickly. She owned slaves before she converted. They went and did their own conversion before she performed, performed her conversion. So what's happening? You have a Gaish woman who is in the process of converting, and she has slaves as well. And her slaves are going and immersing to become full-fledged Jews before their master is becoming a Jew. And the story came in front of the Chacham. What did the Chacham say? That the slaves are acquiring themselves to be free. What's the pshat? It's mashma lefana. In. The only reason they're cloning themselves is because Bloria yet ha- hadn't yet become a convert. So what's happening was at that point, it's definitely just a guy who owns a slave. If it's just a guy who owns a slave, so there, if if they, if this, oh, that's definitely only a shebud. That's all it is. So if the if if the slaves would go and and, and immerse themselves to become Jewish, and then it would be chal. But hello. But let's say Bloria had already converted and she was a Jew. So even though she hadn't been matbal her slaves yet to become to become slaves with a Kenyanist or the way the Torah wants slaves to be owned, but the very fact that she already was a Jew and has the right to do that, it sounds like that would stop the slaves from being able to be immersing themselves to become free people. And that's why it's a kasha on what we're saying. We've been saying that even when a, when a Jew owns a slave, he bought the slave on the slave market, but if he hadn't yet done the process of gerus, of converting them into a slave, then the slave could theoretically run run and immerse themselves and become free. Here we see, no, that the story with Bloria, the only reason the slaves were is because they did it ahead of Bloria. So at the time that they were that they were converting to Judaism, they weren't owned by a Jew. But it's mashma if they, that if they would do that after they were owned by a Jew, even before the Jew had done the gerus to them to make them into slaves, it would still stop. It would inhibit them from becoming full-fledged free people. So the Gemara says, no, the bride says, doesn't mean that. I'm a Rav Alifa now, since they were doing it immersing before she was a Ger, before she was Jewish, so then the freedom happens, whether it was Stam, whether it was, they didn't specify what they were doing, or if they specified that they wanted to be fully free. If they immersed after her, it's only if they specify that they're trying to fully convert, that's where it works. If they don't specify, it wouldn't work. In other words, once he's owned by a Jew, an unspecified conversion, if you just go and you're, and you're immersed in the mikvah to become a Ger, you don't specify that you're trying to become a full-fledged Jew, you just go to the mikvah Lashem Geras, then the assumption is that that would make the Geras into a slave. The slavery of the Kenyan Israel would become a slave. Whereas if it, whereas 100%, if you would do Mephurish, if you would specify that when I'm going to the mikvah, even though I'm owned by a Jew, I'm, I'm going to the mikvah in order to become a full-fledged Jewish person, then it would in fact work the way that we said before. Okay, continues the Gemara. This whole halacha, as we're talking about the Jew bought the slave from a guy, right? That's the whole halacha. Why we're saying that uh, the guy hadn't really owned the slave, he only had a lien in the slave, and that's why the slave, when he was purchased by a Jew, can quickly run and make himself free. But let's say there's a case where a guy sells himself into slavery to a Jew. At that point, an interesting thing happens. The Jew can acquire actual ownership of the person, meaning that if a guy is selling himself directly, it's not, it's not a case where someone is buying a slave from a guy. A guy sells himself to slavery to a yid. So there, automatically what happens is that the Jew 
Jew is owning his body, even before he immerses him. At that point, just with the ownership, the ownership is an ownership of his body. And then that definitely would be able to stop him from going and immersing. So the halacha that we were talking about is when a guy owned a slave, and then he's selling it to a Jew. So all the Jew is purchasing is whatever the guy had. The guy didn't own his body, the guy just had a lien. However, in a case where a guy sells his own self into a Jew, so what's happening is that the Jew actually becomes the full monetary owner of the body itself, and if he owns the body itself, then that ownership is able to restrict that now current slave from immersing himself l'shem and chorin, even if this is at a time before the Jew had immersed him. So again, there's two issues. There's buying, buying a guy and making him your slave, and then converting him into the halachic slave where he's becoming an elevated thing with a Kenyan Israel where he becomes somewhat Jewish. So if I buy a, a, a slave from another, from another non-Jew, that's the halacha we were saying before. There, you don't even own his body. There, you only have a right, like a lien on it to make. And there, if he would be tovel himself, the shame ben chorin, it would be effective. But if I buy a guy himself, a guy sells himself to me, there I own his body itself. The ownership of the body is going to restrict him from being tovel, the shame ben chorin, even if I hadn't yet had a chance to convert him into a slave where he gets his elevated status. Where do we see this idea? Amongst the people who live with you, you can acquire. The Torah is saying that you, you Jews, can acquire Goyish's slaves. The implication is only Jews can get slaves. It's mashma that only a Jew can own a slave, but a guy doesn't have the ability to own a slave. In other words, they can't own you, and they can't own one another. So it sounds like only a Jew can own a slave. What does that mean that a guy can't own a slave? It means that he just doesn't have the, they can't even own the rights to force him to work. He doesn't even have like a lien on him. That's not true. Can a guy not own Israel and make him work? That's a pasuk in the Torah. There's a case where a Jew is sold to, to, to work for a guyish family. It's old in. You're supposed to try to redeem him. At any rate, the case is he was sold to a guy. So clearly we see that a guy could acquire a Jew to own the rights to make him work. So what is the pasuk saying that only a Jew can own a slave and not a guy. It must be referring to the ownership of the person himself. That's what the Torah is saying. Jews could acquire slaves from Goyim. It means that they can acquire even the guy's body. And that's what the Torah is saying. That the ownership of the guy's body, that's only, that, that, that's only something that a Jew can have. Whereas one guy cannot own a, the, the body of a Jew and a guy cannot own another body of another guy. Yes, it's true that a Jew can acquire the goof of a guy, but aim of a cosmopetvila. Maybe that's not enough just with the monetary thing. Maybe that's only after you immerse him to become the halacha the, the convert, where now he's some already already becoming most elevated and somewhat mechoyven mitzvahs. Maybe only at that point do we say you own his body. But if you just bought him, even if he sold himself directly, you didn't buy it from another another guy, but you you buy him directly. Maybe that that ownership is is, is isn't an ownership of his body. Maybe just purchasing him with with money at that point, he's still only a legaline, and his and his tefillah would work if he tried to make himself free. The Gemara says kasha. That is a difficulty. You're right. We don't really see that in the pasuk, but nonetheless, the Gemara didn't reject Rav Avi. Rav Avi's point still was. That he held that when a Jew is purchasing a guy, this halacha, that he's calling his body itself, and even before, in a monetary way, and even before he's tovel him, converts him to be the halachic slave, he, he, he restricts the slave from being tovel himself to become a full-fledged Jew. Amar Shmuel. Now Shmuel's going to talk about now how you convert, what you do to convert a slave that you own into, again, the conversion of slavery. The conversion of slavery, where you make him a garret to give him this elevated status that now he, he, he has a Kenyan Isser and, and mitzvahs and so on and so forth. Amar Shmuel Tzarek L'tokvah When the owner should 
should, should put his weight down onto the slave while he's in the water, meaning you want to do something that shows that the conversion is for slavery as opposed for the conversion being for, to make him a free person. You're just learning all this complexity. There's two different types of things. So you want to show something that, makes an, that indicates what exactly the, the, the conversion is that's taking place and that it should be clear that the conversion is for slavery. But once happened, Minim the slave Rabashi needed to be immersed. Meaning Rabashi had bought him, but he needed to immerse him. Rabashi handed him over to Rabino and Rabakh, the son of Amalu, he said to them, You should know that I'm going to um that 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna make you pay for him if you don't stop him from being tovel l'shem ben chor. And being it, it's under your responsibility to make sure that the conversion is done for slavery, not for freedom. So what did they do? They put they put a leash around his neck. and they would loosen it and tighten it. What did they loosen and tighten? they loosened it. It didn't want to be a chatzitza when he's going to the mikvah. Can't be a chatzitza. They tightened it around him like he's on a leash, like a slave, so that he wouldn't go and. Say, Say, hey, you know, my conversion is really being done so that I could be a free man. They did that. They tightened the leash around him so that it would be clear he cannot do that. As soon as he raised his head up from the water, they put a pile of cement on the top of his head, and they said, go deliver this to your master's house. So meaning they demonstrated that everything which had just been done in a public way they were demonstrating that the tf- first at the time of the tefillah and then right after the tefillah, they were publicly demonstrating that the conversion was valid to make him a slave, a kosher slave, and not to make him a full-fledged Jew. Says the Gemara, Did you see the houses of They give money to the tax collectors for poor people, and then they enslave them. So let's just talk about this. We're talking about nothing to do with Jewish law. This is very interesting. The Gemara is switching topics here. It is absolutely nothing to do with Jewish law, but it happened to be that the law on the land where these people lived is that if somebody is too poor to pay the taxes, then if a rich person pays the taxes for him on his behalf, then he has the right to, to make him a slave until he pays off you know, that amount of money where the taxes were. The poor person is now the slave of the rich person. So there were Jews who were doing this. They would pay the taxes of poor, impoverished goyim, and then they would... Um, they would enslave them. So he had a shayla kinafka when they go free. It's really gita the cherusolo. Do they need a get cheris or not? They had to be set free after the value of the labor was done. And the shayla is, do they need a get? And what's really the question? The question is, do the Jewish masters really own them? Or maybe we say, no, only all that's happening is like a right to, to make them work but it's not really ownership at all. And really the question here is to the extent of maybe how far we see the dina de machus dina, how far do we see the law of the land? The law of the land is that you do own it as a slave when you pay his taxes. So the question is, to what extent exactly is this working? Do they really need to get a cheras or is it just a right to pay back like a debt? So I'm a lay, if I died, I wouldn't have told you this thing. The seal of, of, of slavery of these people is in the king's chest, meaning that, that, that the king Batsam has the right to make... Um, to make laws, and that's an interesting thing. This is really the premise, the fundamentals of Dino de Machus of Dino comes from the fact that the king really has the has the right to like over all his people. That's like the, the seal of slavery is in his chest. So Malka Omar, what did the king say? That the one who doesn't pay the taxes should be bound to the person who paid his tax. So therefore, that's what the king says. So when they, they would in fact require a get of Cheras because the law is very much binding and is considered legitimate. And therefore, if the Jew would pay the taxes, so now he would totally own these slaves and he would have to give them a, a get Cheras before 
before they would be able to go free. Says the Gemara, We saw Jewish women that they were pregnant by people who were converting to Judaism. And then when you convert to Judaism, what do you need? You need Mila. We'll talk about this more later, but you need circumcision and to go to the mikvah. So he saw that there were Jewish women who were pregnant by converts who were in the, only in the process of converting. They had, they had, had a bris milah to become gerim, but they hadn't yet gone to the mikvah. And we're going to pass him later on that you're not a full-fledged, you're not a full-fledged convert until you also immerse. So basically, they were still gayim. They were in gayim in the middle of the process of conversion, but at the time that they impregnated the girls, they weren't yet Jewish. So he saw that. He saw wine of Jews that was diluted with water of gayim and then drunk by Jews. So in other words, we're running into um, yain nesach issues. We know yain of gayim, they touch the handle. Oh, there's a big problem with that yain because we're concerned that, you know, it has something to do with Abu Zara and it can lead to intermarriage. So anyways, he saw here was really wasn't wine of gaim. It was wine of Jews, but he saw that it was mixed with the water by the gaim and then drunk by the Jews. He observed the third thing, a termisin, a certain type of, uh, certain type of bean exactly. You cook a lot. So he saw that the Goyim were cooking these beans and then the Jews were eating them. This is what he observed. He observed these three things. Jews, Jewish girls impregnated by Goyim who were malvotal. He saw that the, the wine of the Jews was diluted with water of Goyim. And he saw that Termisim was cooked by the Goyim. He didn't say anything. Also coming to Rabbi Yochanan later, Rabbi Yochanan came to Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan said, no, you got to stand up. You got to tell these people they're bad. Save Akhari, Zavon, Mamzerim, go announce that their kids are Mamzerim. The Gemara will explain. Say that their wine is also and announce that their food is also is also because of the law of Bishul Akam, not to eat food cooked by a guy. You know why you, you have to say all these things? Because the people here of Gavla are ignorant. They're not B'nai Torah. So sometimes when people who aren't B'nai Torah, you have to be more careful. So in other words, we're going to go through them now one by one. But really, these three things weren't an issue, it sounds like. But the uh, but 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 Me'ikra, then the last thing wasn't an issue with the termisin. We'll see why. But because they weren't b'nei Torah, because they weren't careful in halacha, Rabbi Yochanan wanted to you know bend the page the other way and be ma'achra on them. And now the Gemara will analyze each of the three rulings. Al b'neim shemamzerim go out and say that their kids imamzerim Rabbi Yochanan the time Rabbi Yochanan follows his reasoning. To Amar Chiyav Rabbi Rabbi Yochanan Chiyav Rabbi in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. What do, if a person is in the process of converting and he has done milah without tefillah? What's the halacha la'olam einoger? Uh, this this convert is not a garage. Well, until he does both circumcision and he's immersing in the mikvah. So if he didn't yet go to the mikvah, then he's he's a regular guy. And what Rabbi Yochanan say? We learned about that yesterday. That if a guy is born a Jewish girl, it's how we pass him. Rabbi Yochanan holds the kids of moms there. So if they're really the parents are still guyim because they didn't yet. Uh, they, aren't, they weren't yet immersing in the mikvah, so it's a guy who's Bob Asisrael. Allah is a guy who's Bob Asisrael. The kid is a mom's there. The second ruling, why is there wine? Really, Maker, I did. It's not. It's not it wasn't, the wine itself wasn't touched by a guy. It wasn't owned by a guy. But since it was diluted with the water of the guy, we say, we tell the Nazar, go away. Go around. Don't even come close to the vineyard. Meaning it's protective. It's protection. It's exera that it's close to Yai Nezach, and that's why they answered it. Uh, to a reason, Mishum Bishulei Kochavim say that the the termizim are also because it was food that was cooked by guy. Mufishiyeh Bnei Torah because they're not Bnei Torah. So it sounds like a Bnei Torah shari for Ben Torah wouldn't have been a problem. Farmer Shmuel Reitzel, which made the Rav Kolo Nachos Ruchai, any food which is eaten that could be eaten when it's raw. There's no iser if a guy if a guy would cook it. There's only an iser if a guy cooks something. 
that that is a there's a chashiva, there's a tremendous significance to its cooking. So if I couldn't have eaten it raw and the guy cooked it, okay, so that's a chashiva. So Chazal said you can't eat it, or at least the intermarriage, so on and so forth. But if it's a type of thing which you could just eat raw, so it's not such a significant accomplishment that the guy cooked it, so then it's not a problem to eat it. So and, and Tormas is not normally eaten raw, so of course it should have Bishal Akam. So what's the what are we saying that they asked it only because they're not B'nai Torah? Even if they would be B'nai Torah, there's Ikmaker, then it should be Asr. So the Gemara says, holds like the other Lashon. There's a different Lashon that we say. And I've desired to dispute that the other Lashon, it's not only the way that we measure the significance of cooking is whether it's served at a king's table. Anything that's not served at the king's table, there's no Bishal Akam. Termisin are not served at the king's table. Therefore, the only reason Rabbi Yochanan answered is because they were unlearned, so he wanted to give them Lachumra and bend the page the other way. But Me'ikar Adin is not a problem. Torah, if they would have been a Me'ikar, it would have been Mutter. So basically, there are two leniencies in Bishlachim. One is that if it could be eaten raw, what if it's not if, if it doesn't go on the king's table? Rabbi Yochanan held like the only, only Rabbi Yochanan held like that, like uh, like that that it depends if it goes on the king's table, and therefore, if they be being a Torah, it would have been Mutter. Says the Gemara Tana Rabbanon, Gershom Avlo Taval, circumcised himself, but he didn't go to the mikvah. So we mentioned this point. What? How much is Ma'aki for the Gerus? Rabbi Yisrael Amar is a Ger. Just with circumcision alone, the person is is already a valid Ger. Where do we see this? What happened to our, our, our ancestors when they left Mitzrayim? They circumcised themselves, and we know this interesting thing that they circumcised themselves. First of all, it's a pasuk in Yoshua, but we also know the famous thing that's Pesach, right? That whole thing with Pesach that the that Hakadosh Baruch was taking us out. We say with the Damila and the Dam Pesach, Yisrael underwent Mila to bring themselves and make themselves Jewish. So they, that's the that's what happened, right? We know that they there was Geras at Matan Torah that they were converts, and this is the the basic essence of when we became full fledged Jews was at Matan Torah, and we know that all they had done was Mila. We don't see anywhere that they immerse themselves, so we see that Mila alone is able to make uh, somebody a, a, a ger. That is Rabbi Eliezer's opinion. Tavov Loma, let's say the opposite. Somebody immersed himself but didn't circumcise themselves. Just the opposite. So Rabbi Yeshua says, "Are a ger? The person is a ger." How did how did the women, the women who left in time, certainly weren't doing circumcision? It's impossible. So Elamai, how did they become Jewish? It must be that they became Jewish if they immersed themselves. So we see that immersion alone can work. So Rabbi Lezer is saying. That circumcision alone alone can work because we see from the from the from the men who left Mitzrayim. Rabbi Yeshua is saying that tefillah alone can work because we see from the women who left Mitzrayim. There was either one without the other. Either way, in Gerashim movie as well. You're not a guarantee until you do both. So three different opinions. Says the Gemara. Rabbi Yeshua What's going on? Rabbi Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Eliezer both held one was good. Rabbi Eliezer was saying circumcision is good because he learned from the Avos. And Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Yeshua was saying that only tefillah is good because, because he learned from the Imals. Why didn't each of them not say like the other? So the person Gemara says, we're going to try to answer the second question first. Why Rabbi Eliezer wouldn't learn from the mothers? You can't learn something possible from something impossible. The reason women didn't have, didn't, their, just their tefillah was effective is because they can't do circumcision. That can't be a precedent that, that skipping circumcision is good because for a man, it is possible. You don't learn something that, that is possible from something that which, is, which is impossible. Maybe you'll say that's the answer, but we see that's not a good answer. Why? It says in the How do I know that the carbon pass that comes in the future can only come from chulin. Chulin means non maizur sheni money. Maizur sheni money, the money that was redeemed maizur sheni, that's that's dedicated to 
to buying things in Yerushalayim, you're not allowed to use that money for a Karm Pesach. How do you know that? Because we compare the Pesach brought in the land of Mitzrayim to the Pesach that is brought for the future. Just as the carbon Pesach that was brought in Mitzrayim can only come from Chulun money. And the reason that's true is because there was no Maeser Shani at the time of Mitzrayim. So obviously the Pesach that was bought in Mitzrayim was purchased with ordinary money. So too the carbon Pesach that comes to the future can only come from Chulun money. So he's deriving what is what, what, what is possible from what is impossible. He's saying just as there was no Maeser Shani money buying carbon Pesach in Mitzrayim, so too for the future there is not. Can you learn something possible from something that is impossible? Amar Allah, Rabbi Lezer responded, Even though you're right, it's funny to do such a thing. It's a great proof and we can learn from it. So we see that Rabbi Lezer in the halacha of you know, how he expounds the laws, we could learn a possibility from an impossibility. So the question is very strong. Why did Rabbi Lezer not learn from the mothers that tefillah is good just like Rabbi Yeshua did? So the Gemara therefore reinterprets our analysis of the Machlekes. Ella, top of the Amid Beis. Everybody agrees that if there was just immersion without circumcision, everybody, both Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Yeshua, agrees that it is effective one without the other. If it's just tefillah, everybody agrees it's good. Machlokas is the other way. Where there was only circumcision, but there was no immersion. Rabbi Eliezer, Yalaf Me'avos, Rabbi Lezer, we're learning from the Avos, and Rabbi Yeshua says, no, it's not a proof in the Avos. Because the Avos, really, even though you don't, you don't see it explicitly in the Psukim, Rabbi Yeshua is going to prove that there was also immersion. So while coming out, both Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Yeshua agree that immersion alone is enough. They're arguing if circumcision alone is enough. Rabbi Lezer says, look at the Avos, we don't see any way they did immersion, it was just circumcision. Rabbi Yeshua says, no, I'll show you that there was also circumcision, there is also immersion as well. Minale, where does Rabbi Yeshua see that? In other words, we're going to show that before Ma'an Torah, the Avos also immersed. Maybe it comes from the Pasuk. What does it say before Ma'an Torah? Go to the people. Sanctify them today and tomorrow. There was a commandment for them to wash their clothing. So, so we're going to assume that it means like a halachic, like a ritual immersion, or immersion in mikvah, to be mitar. If I see there are times in the Torah, but like, let's say somebody sees an ordinary plain carry. The din is that they have to immerse in their body in a mikvah in order to become ritually pure. Even though they don't require wash Washing their clothing, they have to wash their body. So Malcolm Shatan keeps and Dimshatan feel if here before Mount Torah the Torah is saying they need a ritual cleaning of their clothing, then certainly their body needs to be immersed in a mikvah. So presumably, even though it's not explicit in the Torah, we can presume that the Torah was mandating it. So there was, in fact, an immersion that the Avas had as well. But that's not a proof. Maybe that just means they should wash their clothing out of, of pure cleanliness. It wasn't a halachic ritual bath. That wasn't what it was. It was cleanliness. The Torah is saying you should show up to Mount Torah. With fresh clothing. Rather, how does Rabbi Yeshua know that the others immerse themselves? Because it says, Moshe took the blood of the carbonates, this is before Mount Torah, and he throws it on the people. And it's like, ah, it's an interesting thing. It was like a sprinkling of blood. We have a tradition, interesting tradition, that whenever there's sprinkling, there has to be immersion that accompanies it as well. Like we see that a little bit by. Um, the hazah of a person who's a tummy mace when you're talking about the ashes of the paraduma. At any rate, this hazah as well, the blood from the carbonos, always must have been accompanied by, by immersion. So there was immersion as well, even though it's not explicit in the psukim, we assume it was there. I, Rabbi Shua, Tfilo, be Mosminala. Now the Gemara responds, how did Rabbi Shua know that the, that the mothers ever immersed themselves? Meaning, the premise was, of course, you know, um, the mothers immersed themselves. That's for sure. How do we know that? Maybe this whole thing, Moshe was throwing on the people, this whole thing was only in regard to. Um, 
the men. How do we know that the women have had the immersion? Svaru, it's a logical thing, Cain, because if not, how would they become Jewish? In other words, you need to do some sort of pu'ula, you need to do some sort of mice of some action, which to make oneself a gar. So how did our ancestors leaving Mitzrayim at the time of Ma'an Torah, how did they really become gerim? It must be that there, there was at least an immersion. So bottom line is, we're saying until now, we have two opinions. We have uh, the, actually we have three opinions. Let me just clarify. Both Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Yeshua hold that tefillah alone is enough because we learn from the Imos who just had tefillah and they became Jewish. The question is whether circumcision is enough. Rabbi Lezer says yes. Rabbi Yeshua says no because he else the Avos also had immersion. And the Rabbanon say no, that you need both. And we don't learn from the, from the Imos. And don't ask me according to the Rabbanon, you need both. So what's the halacha? Well, you need both. You have to both circumcise and immerse. This is obvious. We had Yechidim who were arguing, but the, the, it was the Rabbanon. It was the Stam opinion. That's the rabbis, presumably the majority opinion that holds you need both. So why is it a novelty that that's the way we paskin? Says the Gemara, because even though it says the Chama, it was really also just the Das Yachad. It's really only Rabbi Yossi's opinion. So it's a Chiddush that we paskin like, like Rabbi Yossi. The time it says in a Rabbi a man came to the court and he said, I did circumcise myself for conversion, but I didn't, wasn't yet tovel. So the court immerses him and he becomes Jewish, meaning we don't require witnesses that say that the circumcision was done good, because what do we care? As long as he immersed himself, that's good enough. Right? So we don't really care about the circumcision. Only the immersion is ma'akev, because Rabbi Yehuda holds that, like the like the chidim that we sing before, that just immersion is good enough. We don't immerse him because we require both. We need circumcision and immersion. We need both. And we don't know that the circumcision was done correctly. Maybe it was done, you know, without the intent to become a convert. Therefore, we would require some backup testimony from the guy, some evidence that, his, that, his, uh, that part, that stage of the, of the gears was in fact good. The Gemara goes back to Rabbi Yehuda. According to Rabbi Yehuda, since only one is necessary... So somebody who was already circumcised and is just coming for the extra in his mind, there's the extra credit to get the immersions, you could do it on Shabbos. On Shabbos, you can't fix somebody. So let's say you can't do a garris on Shabbos. But according to review, the really the garris is already a gar. Because the review the holds one of the two is enough. So even if you just did a circumcision, he's really only he's already, he's a, that's already enough. So it's not considered that you're fixing the person by putting him in the mikvah. You can't immerse him because according to Rabiosi, it's absolutely essential you do both. So even though he was already circumcised, that's not it's not enough. So you're absolutely fixing him by being tovelim, and therefore it's also to do on Shabbos. That was the Chiddush to say that we pass in here like Rabbi Yaisi. We're analyzing what the novelty of the second half of the Bryce. We said, according to, according to Rabbi Yehuda, you could tovel again on Shabbos. Since Rabbi Yehuda said that one of the two is enough, so if you already circumcised in front of us, so of course we can immerse him. He's already Jewish. Why is it really a Chiddush? Says the Gemara, you would have said, yeah, one of, one of them is enough, but maybe only if that one is the immersion from the first part of the Bryce that we just see that immersion is enough. Who says that circumcision is also enough? It's Pilabash low. Maybe immersion is the ikker and you can't be told with the Kamasakh and Gabra, you're fixing him. Kamashalan Rabida Oha Oha Bai. Kamashalan Rabida doesn't care which one of the two. Either circumcision or immersion, either one of them is good enough, so that's why we could be tovel the ger on Shabbos. Rebusi, Omer, Ein Matzbilin, Rebusi, just we don't immerse, Pshita, obviously, Kimonam, Rebusi, Tai, to be, you know, since in the first part of the Brisa, Rebusi said, you need both, and without the second one, the first one is not yet Jewish, Tikuni, Gavar, Shabbos, Lama, Sakh, Minon, yeah, that's the Allah, you're not allowed to fix a person on Shabbos, so why, why is it a Chiddish that you can't be tovel him? Says the Gemara, Matzim, Rebusi, Mila, Iker, you may have said that according to Rebusi, really, the Mila is the Iker. 
And over there, it's because the circumcision wasn't in front of us. That's why it's a problem. We can't immerse him. Really, it's all about the milah. Circumcision was in front of us. So maybe you could immerse him. No, it's not one or the other. It's both. You need both. And therefore, uh, toveling is going to be an act of fixing a person. Says the Gemara story on Marava. There was a story. There's a story at the house of who said it was was there. Rav Safar said it was the son of And what happened? There was a ger who was mal, who already circumcised himself with the basin to become Jewish, but he hadn't yet immersed himself. He said, they said to him, Shehi Khan, stay here until tomorrow. And then we're not to be left tomorrow. We'll finish your gears. Tomorrow we will immerse you and you'll become full fledged ger. So what do we see from this story? Shemami not last. We learned three things. Shemami not ger. So should we see from the whole thing about how careful we were about the story that there had to be three people because we we, we were careful. Rav Safra was adding that the third person was there. We see that a bastin is required, not just a person can't just become a gar unless there's a bastin. We also see. I'm sorry, we see you need both, right? That's why he was saying you have to wait, come back tomorrow, whole thing is you can't do it, at, you can't do it at night, so you have to come back tomorrow. So that you see that the Garus was not finished. We see we can't do conversion at night. That's why he said come back tomorrow. Says the Why don't we also teach that the, why don't we also see from here that you need experts? It happens to be all these people weren't just ordinary people, ordinary laymen who were making the court. These were all big tabikhams. Maybe that was just the way the story happened. It doesn't prove that you need it. It happens to be in the story that there were three Tamidikham. Says the Gemara, which is something that we just mentioned, to become a Jewish a Jew that has to be done in the presence of three people. What's the reason? Mishpat because the Torah describes it as being a as being a Mishpat, the Pasuk Parsha Shlach. Says Mishpat and Mishpat is always done with three judges, and that's why we need three judges for somebody to convert.